hey, you know, it's the Blake Street Tavern. We're here. We're always at the Blake Street Tavern. We love this place. We've got friends at the, po- at the podcast, not on the podcast, but at the podcast at the Blake Street Tavern. Ryan, I was having this conversation today I was, as I was building the schedule as we do our read for the Blake Street Tavern here, but the Buffs are playing at Cincinnati at Xavier this year, right? Yes. For the basketball schedule. Non-conference basketball schedule was released today. When I was saying the Buffs were playing on the Virgin Islands or in the Virgin Islands? It's in Cincinnati, not on Cincinnati, but is it in the Virgin Islands or on the Virgin Islands? Is anything really in a Virgin Island? Was that supposed to be in? <laughs> that, was, that was great. Uh, well, <laughs> you can come down to the Blake Street Tavern if you... I'm not going to go there. Uh, but yeah, this place is awesome. You got beers, alcohols, all the places you can normally find at a bar, TVs. Uh, I really can't say enough great things about this place, and I'm making it sound not that cool, but it really is cool. It's on the corner of 23rd and Blake Street here in downtown Denver, right by Coors Field. I always say come down here for the Rockies games. Hey, Buffs, Buff season's like a month away. I, they don't have away games for a while, but right here, there ain't no better home spot if you're not going on the road than the Blake Street Tavern. The Blake Street t- Tavern is basically Folsom Field when the Buffs are on the road. It's amazing. Like, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm also dreading it because since I don't have to work, things can get dangerous here at the Blake Street Tavern. Yeah, you were lucky last year. Anyways, uh, we are going to get started on the podcast now. This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. 40, 45, 50, 40, 35, breaking away, two tackles to beat the Lindsay, 10, 5, touchdown! the hype train baby there it is. i don't know but i started calling him mike mack and crier yeah i'm looking love you, at the walrus you know you can't find love at Brianna the walrus Brianna said you can <laughs> i know stop no i've never been mad before <laughs> why are you laughing now you are your hosts ryan Koenig, jake shapiro and ali monroy step one be attractive step two don't be unattractive Welcome into the BSN Buffs Podcast. No Ali Monroy again today. Uh, we miss you, Al. I guess we'll see you next week, hopefully. Serving a severe suspension. For bad takes once more. Uh, that's It's nice having an audience so we can hear people laugh. It's a live audience. Uh, J- it's like a big, like, we love having Ali on the pod, but she likes the opposite of laughing at our jokes. She hates our jokes. It's booing. This is like just encouraging us. Last week we went an hour and a half of puns. We'll see uh, how long we'll go this week. But this is uh, me. I am Jake Shapiro alongside Ryan Koningsberg, our Broncos beat writer, former Buffs beat writer. I am the Buffs beat guy, the editor. Uh, and I introduce myself with the full introduction because, hey, we've got a new season upon us, so you may not know us. And if you're just joining us, thanks for hopping aboard. This is bad time to jump on the bandwagon. You missed it last year. Yeah. This, imagine jumping on the Buffs bandwagon <laughs> right now. <laughs> 
and, and like in this podcast and, and people will see this column on Friday, it, this pod's going to be released tomorrow, but they're going to see, I have some not so nice things to say about CU and I've been saying them kind of all off season. So if you just jumped on the bus bandwagon, we're all last season. We only said nice things like, sorry. Like you just moved here and you're like, Oh, I think I'm going to adopt CU football. It's like, damn, did you one year away from like the coolest thing ever? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Uh, we've got uh, fall camp on this podcast. It starts next week on July 28th. We believe we still don't have a schedule yet. Neither do the players, so I can't complain that the media doesn't know if the players don't know or all the players are colluding and lying to me, which is quite possible. Quite rare, actually. <laughs> They're just like that Shapiro guy. I can't. Just There's can't. like a, a collusion inside of all. So you just like don't ever talk to Jake Shapiro. You know. There is something like that with one media member at CU, and I'm not going to call him out because it's completely not his fault. But if he's listening, he knows who I'm. T- he knows what I'm talking about, and I honestly <laughs> feel so bad for him that sometimes I want to do interviews for him in case he needs it because I feel bad. Like he needs the stories. Like that's his job, and they're just like, nah, we ain't talking to this dude. That's brutal. <laughs> Uh, we've got uh, the fall camp preview, like I said, position battles, all that good stuff going into fall camp, uh, which starts next week. Like I said, it is, it is game time now. We got through all the summer podcasts. We didn't have as much fun as we thought we were going to have, but we still had lots of fun. Uh, and really, it wasn't about how much fun we had or if we accomplished the things we set out to. It was about the friends we made along the way. <laughs> and in the non-conference schedule for basketball's release, I talked about it out the front. Uh, we are going to be talking about that later in the podcast, so stay tuned to that. We were basketball heavy last week, so we're going to go football heavy this week. Uh, so guys like, for instance, James, Lucas, Goose, might want to skip ahead a little bit if you only care about basketball, which, bad take. I think that's just part of his brand. Like, he actually cares about the football team. He for sure does. Like, how can you not? Like, he, Jane, like James, and like I'm calling out James just because he's my friend, but... Like James and them, speak into his microphone. Yes, exactly. James is a good dude. James has helped us a lot. James is like the dude that'll root for like CU cross country if he knows they have a big big. There's like no way he's not rooting hardcore for like CU football. I know. Right? I think you would admit that too. Yeah, uh, but it's a good brand, I think, or a really bad brand that has gotten <laughs> good because it was so bad. It's one of those. Well, uh, I think the. S- Spot to start with this team is probably with who gets the ball first on every play, and that's the center. No, the quarterback. Uh, Sefa Lufau, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of Colorado football, and if you say otherwise, you can just stop listening to this podcast now because you're wrong. Uh, he's amazing, and, and plus he we is already gone. got the download, so like we don't need you to finish. It. Yeah, we already got the numbers. Our advertisers are happy. We're getting paid. But you already Se- heard the Blake Street Tavern read. Like you can't take that back. <laughs> uh, Cepho's gone, and he's gone to the NFL. He's probably going to be on uh, Tampa Bay in some form or fashion, whether he's walk-on or, or not a walk-on, uh, practice, practice squad or one of the backup quarterbacks. He's going to be holding a quarterback. He's going to be uh, Samoan clipboard Jesus, I think. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yes. But uh, for the Buffs, they are left with a – with one senior at quarterback, and that is walk-on T.J. Patterson, who definitely will not start. But you've also got Steven Montez, walk-on Tyler McGarry, uh, Sam Neuer, Casey Marksbury, who's a walk-on, Joshua Golden, walk-on, Tyler Lytle. How and, sick uh, would it be Blake if Casey Marksbury was good and we got to call him the marksman? That'd be dope. <laughs> like, I'm all for that. <laughs> like, he was, like, so accurate, and we were just like, ah, oh, the marksman. Like, that would be such a cool name for a quarterback. 
you'd think there'd be like more of that in college football with the amount of like names that like we do the we used to do the all name draft maybe we'll do it again now that Ali's not on the podcast again <laughs> we'll just do the whole season right now right but uh you you know about all the great names in college football so you'd think that would happen more but it just doesn't but the obvious starter quarterback is Steven Montez. Uh, it's so obvious, the, even the athletic director knows it at this point. Uh, well, doesn't really know it because he's calling him Steve, but... No, no, Steve is his name. This is established. Steve. Good quarterbacks are named Steve. We still haven't gotten Cisneros to do a Stevie football uh, graphic. Sam uh, is here. Maybe she can uh, do a Stevie football graphic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> she's... <laughs> She was shaking her head at the all-name draft. She was like, she was also a part of the extinction. I feel like Allie takes a lot of the blame for that, but it w- yeah. Then oh, you- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you've also got Sam Neuer, who's uh, going to be a redshirt freshman this year. Sat on the bench all year. Uh, highly likely that you'll see a lot of Sam Neuer this year, but not as a starter. Like the bus like the holder on. Picks? No, I'm saying like you you saw how much. We got to see Steven Montez play last year. The Buffs are going to need their backup quarterback with the way they run their quarterbacks. Just the sheer amount of times his helmet might pop off. You just hope, though, that they might have learned a lesson last year where, like, they could have won a few more games if maybe they didn't kill their quarterback. Yeah, they probably win that game at USC if Sefo's healthy. I mean, that's two years in a row. They might win that game at Michigan if Sefo's healthy. Probably beat USC two years in a row if Sefo's healthy. So, like, maybe take it a little easy on Steven Montez. You need him. And and you don't have – uh, I know Jordan Gerke wasn't good. Like your quarterback can't be your primary running back in short yardage situations. That's why you have George Frazier. No, no, no. You need a football player to do this. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but what I'm trying to go for is you need a third quarterback as well. And just because you're going to have two cupcake games there in Texas State and Northern Colorado, and you assume Sam Neuer is going to see a lot of time in those games, and you'll probably have a third-string quarterback come in in those games as well for a little bit. And the issue here with the quarterback depth is that TJ, Tyler, Casey, Josh are all walk-ons. And those are the backup quarterbacks. Then you have Blake Sendstrom, who's a commit, not on campus, so that doesn't count. And then you have uh, Tyler Lytle, who you're going to want a red shirt. You're not going to want to burn that red shirt this year. So the third-string quarterback, you know, like, I know it's kind of weird to say, but you're going to be watching that third-string quarterback battle in fall camp. The marksman, dude. It's, it's his job to lose. You know, it's going to be fun to write about. I'm going to do a story on all the walk-ons competing for the third-string quarterback job. And, like, McIntyre won't give you a quote on it. He'll be like, yeah, we think Tyler Lytle might play there. Like, we're not sure on redshirting him. And, like, then it'll become the story. Tyler Lytle might not redshirt. And there then, like, go. that's There's a whole week of coverage. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, Tyler, Ly- Tyler Lytle's redshirt like, hanging over a match. But the marksman here to save the day. The marksman's a big hit. Tyler Lytle jokes, not as like, much. We Want Gurkhas was a thing. Now, like, the marksman needs to be a thing. I like how we made – I guess we make a lot of things things, but that was, the, that was one thing that we made a thing that only remained within our realm and didn't, <laughs> didn't escape it because it, yeah, it, it was so bad. Like, four people would tweet it, and, like, all four of us would like it, and that would be it. <laughs> and honestly, it was better that way. It is. It's like an inside joke. Except other people knew it and didn't think it was funny. <laughs> it's like a public inside joke. <laughs> so any comments there on the quarterback situation? Uh, you have – we, oh, we got to say this. I, I want to – let me right, jump go. in right here. Steven Montez, we talked about it right after the Alamo Bowl. 
very discon very concerning Alamo Bowl, and I think a very concerning Pac-12 championship game. And honestly, after the Oregon game, he did not look terrific. And if you count the Michigan game, struggles in that game. But if George Frazier catches that ball, maybe a lot different of a ball game. So you have a lot of inconsistencies there. Granted, Steven Montez was a redshirt freshman and getting his first experience in a lot of those in, games. And to speak in your terms, he was a starting pitcher being thrown in in relief. Right. Like, that's not easy. It's not easy to not prepare. Like, of course, everyone's like, oh, I prepare to be the starter every week no matter what. No one does that. He prepared to be the starter against Oregon and USC and Oregon State. Look at how good he was against Oregon State and Oregon. USC, he wasn't terrible. He was playing a fantastic defense. Right. A team that in USC that probably ended up being the best team in the country that didn't make the college football playoff by the end of the season. For sure. So, you have to look at a lot of variables there. Steven Montez is a good quarterback, but I was I was once told on this on this here podcast that Steven Montez wasn't a lock to be the starter. Are we past that? Are we moved past that? You know, because well, like nothing has changed since then. We've only seen the spring game. That was the last time we saw them play football. Right. Just, I mean, I was like ninety five percent sure Montez was going to be the quarterback, and Neuer had a five percent shot, very outside shot. Nothing's changed for me aside for Rick George saying Steven Montez, which I think says a lot. Yeah, I mean, if, like, John Elway came down and was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm excited to see what Paxton Lynch is going to do with our receivers this year. In, like, like an offhanded think, comment, yeah. Right, you start to think, like, okay, yeah, that's pretty much an absolute at this point. So I, I don't want to completely write Sam Neuer off because I think a lot of people in the program like him, but I do not think he's ready. And I think there is clearly a better option at this point. And I think – not only is Mac more favorable to Montez because he probably plays that style better, that the quarterback that you like. I know Neuer's got some run game in him, but look at the receivers on the field. Do you really need like the pinpoint passer? Like that's gonna. What I'm trying to say is you don't really need the guy that's like 15 yards dumping in and out every single play, hand off to your running back. That to me is Sam Neuer running kind of an option where, yeah, he can sling it. But Steven Montez can really sling it, and you're going to have the ability to go 35 yards, 40 yards on every single down. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I mean, what you just described to me actually sounded pretty great. Like, with the playmakers that you have on offense, you know, throwing 10, 15-yard routes and handing it off to Phillip Lindsay sounds perfect to me. If Sam Neuer's going to protect the football, that sounds great. Now, again, I, I think they're going to go with Steven Montez because he's uh, a fantastic quarterback. In the end, he has the tools to be a, a high NFL draft pick. I truly believe that. So you're going with that. But I'm getting a, a look over here, but I truly believe that. Like, Chase he has said, all the toils. Chase said to me my biggest question about the offense this year is whether Steven Montez is on this offense next year. And I said that's a little quick for me. You're talking about a guy who has – like this is his first offseason as a starter. This is going to be his first opening day as a starter. And this is a guy who has everything you could want out of a quarterback except for maybe last year uh, decision-making issues. Like, he made some bad decisions here and there. But that's a, that's a, that's a young quarterback. That's like red-shirt freshman. And he has the arm skill and strength where his arm skill and strength can beat out his decision-making sometimes. And that's a rare skill for quarterbacks to have, especially in college. Right. So with all the weapons that he has, you, you do love the ability that, he, I mean, he has a cannon. Um, and I think Steven Montez and Shea Fields – are going to have one hell of a relationship this year because that pass that wasn't necessarily Sefo's strength, like you would never say Sefo's strength was going deep down the field, uh, that is his strength. So I think uh, this season could be pretty 
Pretty special for pretty, those two. Pretty, pretty, pretty special. Pretty, that pretty. curb is back. So I think that covers all the quarterback talk, which, you know, we had to go over it because it's the most important position on the football field. And for, like, the nerdy college football fan that says, no, it's the defensive line, you're wrong. Uh, it's still the quarterback. The quarterback handles the ball more time than anyone else on the football field. Uh, and he has more control over the variance, so to speak, nerdy person, theoretical nerdy person, than anyone else. Uh, I, I think this imaginary. Like, usually when we're saying this, like, you're actually calling someone out. But I don't think you, like, hey, are you calling out this person? No, I'm, like, calling out, up? like, whatever Buff's Twitter version of Purple Row is. I, I like Purple Row, like, as Rockies. But, like, there are some people on there with some takes. Right, right, right. So that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, someone out there is like, no, like, the quarterback doesn't matter. But I had the DJ LeMay, he was a bad hitter argument from Purple Row the other day. So, And not them, like, necessarily, but people that work for them. So it wasn't published. But I'm just saying, like, there are people out there with takes, and you should not listen to these takes. Uh, running back, it's not a battle. It's a preview because you got Phil Lindsay, and then you got some dudes. But you got Phil Lindsay. Let's talk about those other dudes because, like, we already know Phil Lindsay's the GOAT, but who's behind him? Who's if, getting the second? If you want Phil Lindsay talk, listen to the last 10 minutes of last week's pod because we literally just, like, we went all in on how much we love Phil Lindsay. So that we had that last week. But you've got three-star in class of 2016's top recruit in Bo Bicharette, who is now going to be a sophomore. And Bicharette is a guy with a lot of skill. The Buffs probably wanted to move him at linebacker because they have such lack of depth at linebacker, and he profiled perfectly. But part of getting him to see you was playing that running back position. And with Kyle Evans' hip injury, you might have Bo, who got a lot of reps there at the end of spring, really threatening Kyle Evans for that spell running back job. Bo Mishrat was low-key an important person to see his offense last year, and I don't think the casual fan would know that all those times that Sefo Lufa was covering, uh, was uh, covering third down and one for the buffs running the ball. Bo Bisharat was his lead blocker. And it was almost like the ultimate sign of like, you, we, you know what we're going to do, but we're going to do it anyway. Cause we know we can beat you. When you saw Bo Bisharat walk out onto the field, you knew exactly what was going to happen. It was the, it was Sefo going to take one step back and he's going to run behind him. So he didn't get enough credit for that. I think I, there could have been, like, a, an unsung hero of CU's offense article about him just, like, blasting dudes in there. And he did that on special teams, too. He really lit up a couple dudes. So, he's a talented kid. Um, I think when you have those guys who are the top recruit and they don't instantly come in and produce right away, people start to, like, think, like, oh, they aren't as good as we thought they were. Bo Bishrat is a legit player, and I think it will be cool if he actually does – kind of get that spot and start getting some time and people can see the type of player that he is. You know, the other two senior, you've got actually three other senior running backs, but one's a walk-on, Tanner Gresick, who's might actually play a factor in the fullback role. He's been on the field before. I've seen him. One of those hockey dudes that Chase was telling us about? He might be. <laughs> it sounds like a hockey name. But you know who's still on this team who's a senior running back? Michael Adkins, baby. No way. He's still on the team. He's still on the team. I have to, I it's to according to Adams. I'm looking at Adams' eligibility chart, and he's on the team. Like, are we sure we didn't miss, like, a Buff Zone article, like Michael Adkins stepping away from football? <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't covering Michael Adkins' news. I'm against Michael Adkins' news. But it's so weird because, like, he's good. <laughs> he just couldn't stay healthy. Like, But honestly, you have to ask a legitimate question. 
could he factor into this running? We should actually find out if he's 100% <laughs> of the team. But, I, like, he's on Adam's list. He's on the, the rival's list, too. And, uh, you know, he had 30 yards in one yard receiving last year. But this is a dude who was the buff starting running back, what, three years ago with uh, Christian Powell. Like, they, they split time. Like, he was – and he was pretty solid until he got hurt. I like Michael Atkins. Do you remember uh, his game against Hawaii in that first game of the season? Like, he was the, o- he was like the only, one bright I'm the CU fan that only remembers games against Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was the best player on that offense Look, in that game. The, the Buffs last time against Hawaii wasn't the only car crash Shapiro suffered that day. I had to get a fender bender on the way to your house. You did? Yeah, I never told you. It was okay. <laughs> it was it was honestly because it wasn't a car crash compared to what happened in that football game in the that first was, few plays. That was the game from hell. Like I, I'm sorry for dredging up those memories. But like think of like just whenever I like think about the rise, I just think about that game and then think about the rise, and it's just like oh, it's okay now. But anyway, Michael Atkins, really good running back, but unfortunately in football. When the coaches kind of lose trust in you, it, it, it can kind of be your doom. Because, look, it's not a coach's fault when he decides, look, I can't build plans around this guy because he simply cannot stay healthy. Like, that's not a coach's fault. Eventually you have to make those decisions like, I can't count on this person being healthy unless I absolutely have to. And so Michael Atkins got recruited over a little bit. Um, he got – a guy named Philip Lindsay who kind of came in and said, you better give me the ball because I, I do things when I have it. Um, but, hey, if Michael Atkins can find a way to be productive on this team, that's a guy you like because that vision, that's natural. That doesn't necessarily go away. He has great vision on the football field. He's a talented kid. That being said, I don't think the coaches really want to count on him. So, Bo Bishrat likely has the inside track there i think adkins is actually a fall camp attrition candidate just because of like the things we've mentioned uh so but the the sad part for cu is if he is an attrition guy in fall camp as soon as he steps on the field in fall camp they can't replace that scholarship so that's unfortunate for cu uh i'm not saying like the dude should get cut from the team i'm just saying like i think with his track record it's a possibility uh, Donovan Lee, senior running back slash wide receiver, he still has his red shirt available. Do you consider using your red shirt on Donovan Lee this year with Kyle Evans and Bo Bichirat, as well as Alex Fontenot, who's a, he's, he's a f- true freshman, but a lot of people really like Alex Fontenot. Do you consider using that red shirt on Donovan Lee? TBT Ryan said, saying Donovan Lee might lead the team in rushing last year. <laughs> so did Zist, though. <laughs> That's bad. Uh... If you could redshirt Donovan Lee, that's a talented kid. I remember talking about him when he was a recruit. Like, they were going to use him in all sorts of ways. And, again, another situation where he just kind of got recruited over. Um, and, and he got kind of passed on the depth chart by guys who are actually now really good. So, But is that one of those guys, because of that, where you have Evans, Bicharette, Fontenot, and then you have Jarek Broussard and uh, Deion Smith coming in here, where you're like – Mm. It doesn't even matter to redshirt him because we can recruit right. him Right, I was again. just going to say, talented kid, but they believe in their recruiting right now. I have a pretty good feeling they probably just want to get him out of the program. Is he of use to this team? Yes. Yeah, I mean, the dude is talented. Um, it's just a, it's kind of a cruel thing about college football is sometimes 
talented dudes, you know, a couple guys come in that are a little more talented, work a little harder, find their way in favor with the coaching staff, and all of a sudden you become an afterthought. Like, Donovan Lee was a serious staple of this offense going all the way back to, I believe it was, um, what was the team from the south that they played? the Charleston Southern. No, it wasn't them. It was the, the, the original all-name team. Oh, Nickel State. How you say the that? Colonels. Yeah. Wasn't it Nickel State that he just the like Nickels w- Colonels? The Nickels Colonels. He went off on them. Yeah, right? he went off. Like at, after that, people were thinking like, "Oh wow!" He like, and he looked fantastic in that game. So he can be of use to this team. Um, you're gonna need guys to spell. Like I still thought he was a good slot receiver. I w- I would use him in that role. You know, if you had a spot. But where do you put him? And we'll get to that wide receiver debate uh, in in a few seconds, but. Uh, the one guy we haven't mentioned is, was the backup running back last year, Kyle Evans, who's a great story, guy who walked on, earned a scholarship last camp, and uh, really shoved. He was good all last Dude. year. Like, he was legitimately – like, I would have been fine if he was the starting running back every other year aside from Phil Lindsay being their starting running back, basically. And He was eaten. Then he goes down with a serious hip injury in spring ball. Um, and it was really ugly from what I heard. Um, and we're at the point – where what, do you, what can you expect from Kyle Evans, and can you expect him to be that guy last year that was, all right, well, Phil's out of the game, Phil's amazing, but I don't feel that unconfident with Kyle in there either. Personally, I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm not in there talking to the trainers. I'm not in there talking to the players and Kyle Evans, for that matter. So I don't know where he's at with that injury. You hope that he'll be back, and you hope that he can kind of take advantage of – the chance that he's earned for himself he deserves to be the number two running back on this team and and I don't think there's any shame in being the number two running back on this team I think any player would, would be glad to to you know split carries with a guy like Phil Lindsay um but I think you know going back to what we talked about if he doesn't if he's not healthy if he can't get back to who he was this team is going to be okay at the running back position and guys like Donovan Lee and Michael Adkins make you feel okay about that because those guys aren't bad players no doubt i i agree with that uh stuff that you said right there (laughs) i didn't have a better way of putting it because you're normally right uh spring valley golf you can play two courses in one offering that on my resume offering nine holes links that i endorse like all of your things on linkedin and nine holes traditional tree line you're going to love the newly renovated greenside bunkers of the european twist what is it stacked Stack bunker, bunker walls. Stack walls. Okay, TJ McBride here from our Nuggets coverage hanging out with us. Uh, come and try the fast and true greens that this 18-hole championship golf course delivers or get lessons from our PGA professional golf pros. Then eat at our award-winning restaurant. Spring Valley Golf Club is in Elizabeth, just a few miles from Parker and less than 45 minutes from downtown Denver. Just off the beaten path, but closer than you think. Book your tee time today at springvalleygolf.com. It's good. It's good. We might spring for one of those tee times. Let's do fullback and tight end right here before we get into wide receivers. And a late-breaking development into the BSN Bust podcast, Eddie Lopez may have changed his position from defensive line to fullback slash tight end. Shut up. (laughs) And I'm not kidding you, (laughs) but he weighs 295 pounds and is 6'3". Can he even try to play that position? How do you say the fridge in Spanish? El Frio? Oh, no, that's cold. <laughs> um, this isn't 
If you ask, I'm, I'm, I learned it this week. It was on my vocab. Where voc- is Allie when you need her? It was on my vocab this week in Spanish, yesterday. Um, but you've got Dylan Keeney, Chris Bounds, Derek Coldman, Jared Pabowski, uh, Sebastian Oliver, as well as uh, you've got George Frazier in that fullback tight end position. And this isn't the most star-studded position on the Buffs roster. Bar- they barely throw to their tight ends. In fact, a tight end of the Buffs did not have a single catch until the Alamo Bowl last year. But no, that f- wasn't it? Was it a catch? Well, one of their top three run- tight ends. They had a couple that were. Chris Hill had one before he got kicked out of the game. What right. was? What what? Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Hill had one before he was kicked off the team. Uh, a couple he had catches. a touchdown. Yeah, I he had think. a touchdown. But <laughs> remember when we ran into him in Boulder and we're like, "Oh my God, it's superstar Chris Hill who had the touchdown today." Oh, we yeah. embarrassed the hell out of it. That was yeah, great. That was funny. Uh, but. This is an important position to the Buffs because especially when they were using Cepho the way they were and the way we think they're going to use Steven, it's a key blocking position on the field. And, and they used a lot of one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers last year. Yeah, there's a lot of options there. Like you, As you name off those guys, you're talking about guys that are solid football players. You have some good young talent there also in terms of you know guys like Poblowski, but this is uh, a position – where you're going to need those guys like George Frazier, uh, a guy like Dylan Keeney, who really is another one almost in the, in the Donovan Lee sense where you thought he was going to be a, a big part of the offense. I remember like writing an article about him. Everyone was really excited about him. He was finally that pass-catching tight end that they didn't have. And all of a sudden you've got so many good wide receivers and such great running backs that you're like, what, what are we going to do? Like, why are we going to throw to the tight end when we can just go four wide with good wide receivers? And that's part of why they don't use a tight end, but but Brian Lindgren's always wanted to use a tight end. Yeah, and that's the weird thing is, like, you have to use the tight end to be able to recruit it. and That's probably why they lost out on Josh Follow. Right. I mean, how is Josh Follow going to watch football at CU last year and be like, oh, yeah, this is my kind of offense? When I, I'm, There's a chance he went to, like, he could have gone to four games and never seen the tight end touch a ball. Like, even as the offensive coordinator, I wonder if that ever factors in. Like, oh, this guy's on a visit. Oh, it for sure like, does. We I need mean, to throw to the tight end. And I'll use it in baseball terms because this just happened. But the White Sox were here, and I was talking to one of the executives in Major League Baseball, and David Robertson pitched, who just got traded to the Yankees. Robertson came in and pitched against the Rockies in, like, a seven-run game. He's their closer. And I go, why did he pitch? He's like, well, there was eight scouts here, and they, were all, they all wanted him. It was a showcase. So it does happen, but – not but, yeah, it just seems weird to me that they because they knew that Josh Follow was at the USC game. You'd think you'd use the tight end a little bit just to show off. Yeah, like draw, like you got like remember that play they ran against CSU? Um, I think it was actually two years ago now, where Dylan Keeney was running wide open and they like threw it and the, and there yeah it was two years ago because Stefan and then there was a play yeah foul behind the play hands to the face on Nemba right yeah. like. You, wouldn't you use that play, that game, and like get your tight end a touchdown so this kid feels a little better? Because like a tight end is one of those positions where there's a lot of cool things you can do uh, to get them open. You'd think they would have used that. But now now you have um, – uh, you're going to have a really hard time recruiting tight ends for a while. Like If you're any other team, you can negatively recruit the buffs when it comes to the tight end position. So, again, you need guys like George Frazier to be able to produce and, like, I don't know, just maybe catch – like one pass. easy touchdowns that one go right in one pass just like t- like that are just dropped into your red box you need that um maybe like two of those that were right in your hands that were in the end zone would help the team 
but I'm subbing a uh, CU wide receiver here. But if you have such good hands, then why are they trying to move you to defense? <laughs> anyway, speaking of defense, George Frazier was named to the two-way player list, um, which I guess the Buffs just like announced that he was going to play two ways this year, and that got him onto the list because he has played two ways before, and that was and that's impressive. Like. It's not hard. He was really he was better when he was playing two ways. He was he yeah he was he was he was more productive, and uh, more help, more of use to the team. So I'm excited to see what, what George Frazier can do because I really hope that he proves me wrong and shows me that he can be more than just a, a really big dude. But it's going to be hard for George to get on the field, and I think we both agree on that because not only Phil. But you can go four wide every single time, maybe even five wide, and you could be fine with that just because of the talent at that position. Yeah, but he'll as, get his snaps. As we get into wide receiver, yeah, George will get his snaps, and you're going to need someone to get those snaps, especially when they run those goal line formations and stuff. Uh, and if you're trying to run a play action in those cases, you need someone to catch the ball just offset there. But at wide receiver, it's a killer position for Colorado. Just absolutely killer. It's, Maybe best in the nation. It's right there with Oklahoma State, I think. I think you saw the two best wide receiver groups in the country for 2017 in the 2017 Alamo Bowl. You've got Shea Fields, Devin Ross, Bryce Bobo, Kavion Ento as the seniors. Ento is a redshirt. Juniors, this is ridiculous. Jay McIntyre, Juwan Winfrey, Lee Walker, Xavier Cochran, Kevin DeMent, Cameron Frazier. Sophomores, Johnny Huntley, Cameron Frazier out of Fairview. Yeah, I know. There you go. There you go, big guy. Freshman, uh, Darian Rakestraw, Jalen Jackson, Maurice Bell, LaVisca Chenault, Katie Nixon, Curtis Cheverini. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you got, like, ten receivers that could legitimately play next year. Wild. Absolutely wild. The amount of talent they have is insane. Like, think about, like, I keep going back to the same recruiting class, but like people thought Lee Walker was going to be like a great receiver for the Buffs. Now he's like, he's like whatever comes after an afterthought. That's where Lee Blocker is. Lee Blocker, <laughs> but and you have Donovan Lee there, who we mentioned earlier, who's who can play receiver too, and probably will at some points this season. But Shea's your obvious number one. It'd be nice if you could save a scholarship and just create Donovan Lee Walker. Donovan Lee Walker. In more ways than one, that would be nice. <laughs> but uh, for, for the Buffs as seniors, Shea's your obvious number one, but do you redshirt KB on Ento? If he's willing to. Because he's a guy that had an un- – he was a guy that people were like, why did he get a scholarship to? He's a guy that had an amazing spring, spring ball, and maybe we need him around longer. And then all of a sudden, going into next year, you've got KB on Ento and Joan Winfrey on the outside. If he's willing to do it, that's awesome. But, like – I don't know. Man's has a dude's kid. got a kid. Like, Man's has a kid. Can you red like? Can you redshirt a dude that has a kid? He's like probably got to go. Is move it against along NCAA bylaws? <laughs> He's like probably got to go like get on with his life. NCAA maybe. has rules with how many calories you can eat per snack, but they don't have rules for redshirting dads. That's fine. Good. That's good. <laughs> keep their uh, jurisdiction as small as you can. But honestly, it's too like they have too much talent. Like, if this was an NFL team, it would be like they need to make trades, which they never really do in the NFL. But it's kind of like the Rockies in the outfield. There's not enough at-bats to go around. There's not enough positions to go around. And that's how they are at wide receiver. You have dudes like LaVisca Chenault and Jalen Jackson and Katie Nixon just, like, sitting there. Those are dudes that, if they come in Shay's year, 
aren't just Shea. They're better than Shea and are trying to – and they're taking catches away from Nelson Spruce. Yeah, like there's a, there was a time where all three of those dudes would have been the three starting receivers. As freshmen, true as, freshmen. As true freshmen. They would have walked in. And it in. was not long ago. No, they would have walked and in. And Reese Bell straight, could have been the fourth. They would have walked in, walked straight through the tunnel, and walked on into the starting lineup. Like they wouldn't <laughs> even have needed a fall camp. They wouldn't even needed the the, the the plays. They just walked straight out of the field <laughs> Honestly, and start running routes. I'm dead serious. They would have graduated high school and walked directly into the huddle. <laughs> That's amazing. That, that wasn't like – I'm not talking about like dinosaurs. Like this was two years ago, three years ago. So you've got Shea at one. Who's your number two receiver? Winfrey. Who's your number, who's your number three? You're assuming that's a, your slot receiver, right? And that's probably Devin Ross. Devin Ross is going to work in the slot for you. And then do you do something where you have two on the outside on one side, or do you have another slot? You have so many options. And, uh, and you do, and that's why I, I don't think it's clear that Jay McIntyre is that slot. No, because it's I think Bobo. you could you could put Bobo on the outside and create another outside runner. You have a lot of options. Um, Bobo's a, Bobo's a dude who can handle a hit. Uh, he, you know, you you can use him in a, in a plethora of ways. Um, but you have like you have so many options. You can throw out so many creative formations. You, you know, you can go trips with three dudes who are like number one wide receiver guys. You know, you could go trips with uh, Bobo. Shea Fields and Juwan Winfrey, you can do crazy stuff and talk and talk about uh, Bobo and Winfrey, two big guys blocking for Shea Fields out there on a, on a bubble screen. The things you can do with these dudes is is pretty awesome. I think the question is, what do you do with all the rest of these guys? We're assuming Jawan Winfrey, Jay McIntyre are both going to get on the field a lot, but last year you really didn't see much turnover in the starting four wide receivers. They stuck on the field pretty much the whole time unless someone got hurt for a play. But you've got Lee Walker, who's going to see some time. Do you redshirt Johnny Huntley? Do you redshirt Jalen Jackson? Do you redshirt Maurice Bell, LaVisca Chanel, Katie Nixon? Which of these guys are you redshirting? Which of them are you trying to play? And I think a lot of these will be answered during fall camp, but you're going to have to redshirt some of these guys just to keep your program strong for the future. Uh, but it's also a trade-off because any of these guys could probably be playing on the field. It's hard. Um, you got to figure out where, how valuable guys are to you, honestly. Uh, Johnny Huntley is a guy who's different than most of these other receivers you have. He is more in the Bryce Bobo uh, type of build, and you'd probably like to have that guy in your, in your program for a while. Now, you don't need him this year. So if you could get him to redshirt, because he, he was active last year, right? Uh, Johnny Huntley played yes. a lot on special yeah, teams. Yeah. yeah, he does have a redshirt available. So if you could get him to do that, that's fantastic, because then he probably goes into the next year as your big body wide receiver. Um, you have to make moves somewhere, though. And like you said, you need to make sure that you have these guys in your program, but you also don't want to have guys in your program that aren't going to play. Like, if you redshirt a guy, a lot of times players don't realize this. Getting redshirted is like the greatest compliment ever. It's basically saying, we want you for a we want we need you down the road. We need you here longer. If you're not getting redshirted and you're not playing, uh, that's basically saying, we need to get you out of here. And so... If you can get a guy like Johnny Huntley to redshirt, I think you're in a great position. 
I want to go over some statistics that were released by Pro Football Focus. Best receiver rating of returning power five receivers in the country. Wide receiver rating is passer rating generated by the quarterback when targeting the receiver. Number one is Dante Pettis at Washington. Number two is a dude at Texas Tech. Number three is Shea Fields in the country. 123.5 is the passer rating of guys when throwing at Shea Fields. Then you have, uh, I think this is important too, most yards per route run by running backs. Phil Lindsay's third. He's getting two yards a route run, or three, two yards every time he runs a route, which is incredible if you think about it. You don't get the ball every time you run a route. Right. Kalen Balaj is just ahead of him. Phil is third in the country. Kalen Imagine ba- if, we had, if CU had both of those guys. <laughs> that take. They so, they so should have had Kalen Balaj, though. Imagine uh, that like Centennial State backfield. That would be awesome. And McCart. If they had all the McCartneys or the McCaffreys, McCaffreys. Oh, my God. Kalen Balaj also highest receiver rating among returning Power 5 running backs. That's that same stat. Kalen Balaj, 84.4. Phil Lindsay right there behind him, 82.6. And then another receiver stat for you, um, lowest drop rate, Phil Lindsay among running backs, 1.82%. And another uh, two more. <laughs> For, from the actual Buffs receivers, deep receiving yards leaders, returning Pac-12 receivers, Demetrius Robinson, 474, Shea Fields second with 396, and then one more, most tackles forced by returning wide receivers. Most missed tackles. Forced. Most missed tackles of returning Pac-12 receivers, Bryce Bobo with 14. So you have some guys that are putting up, like, these aren't just, like, cool numbers. These are, like, really meaningful numbers. And when you have Phil Lindsay putting up those types of statistics from a, people forgot how good Phil Lindsay was out of the backfield last year. Yeah, I think he had 490 yards receiving last year or something like that. I was just going to say, we just talked about how good their wide receivers are. We forgot to mention one of their best wide receivers, Phil Lindsay. And, and that's amazing because how, how many catches are going to be available for Phil Lindsay this year? And the answer is not that many. No, the answer is a lot still because that's part so? of the offense. Yeah, I guess they use that dump off, and they have shown a propensity to use that running back screen a lot more than they have. And they used the wide receiver screen a lot earlier in the year. And that's something they shied away from later in the year that was kind of questionable to me because it worked so well, that wide receiver screen. Eventually, once you put something on tape too many times, though, it's easier to stop. But they became, the wide receivers became not that good later in the year. Like, the offense kind of got worse as the year went around. Oh, and we talked did. about it. Michigan, the Michigan game was by far the offense's peak. Yeah, or CSU, or, or Oregon State, or one of those. But they or, were hot. Yeah, They were hot early, and they went into a deep, deep lull. I mean, do you remember how inept the offense was against Stanford? Or UCLA? Yeah. Like, it was brutal. Um, and it was cool to see the defense finally win a few games for the program. But uh, back to the main point, Phil Lindsay is going to be a part of the receiving uh, leaders on this team no matter what because, like, that that's the easiest – yards in the game uh throwing it out to there throwing it out to the wing and letting him burn around the edge um they got they they got hundreds of easy yards on that last year and easy yards as i always say are what college football is all about college football offense is about getting yards uh where the guys aren't because you can scheme plays where guys aren't so uh, the question is where the other who is who's going to be the odd man out because like one of these guys is going to see very few targets i think jay mcintyre might end up being that guy who is respected who is considered a solid receiver who ends up having a, a very limited impact this year because of how stiff they are at wide receiver um but there's still um a lot of uh catches out there for philip Lindsay because it's, it's just part of the offense yeah no doubt
let's go to offensive line now. And let's not. <laughs> you've got to. Quick review. You've got Jeremy Irwin, Gerald Coe, Tim Lynott, Aaron Hagler are your returning starters. You've got Jonathan Huckins, Josh Kaiser are your two other upperclassmen. That's it for upperclassmen that didn't start. So your entire offensive line upperclassmen is Irwin, Coe, Huckins, Kaiser. That's it. Those are your upperclassmen offensive linemen. You've got Isaac Miller, Brett Towns, Dylan Middle, Middlemiss. That's an awesome name. I've seen it a few times, but I always forget. And then I, when I see it, I always get happy about it. Uh, and then you've got a couple freshmen who might make an impact in uh, Jake Moretti and uh, William Sherman, as well as Grant Polly, uh, Hunter Vaughn, Colton Smith, also coming off their red shirt years. I do have one piece of information about one of those freshmen, and that is about Jake Moretti. And he is still behind on his knee surgery, the last I heard. And I think it's very likely that Jake could get redshirted this year, despite the hype and despite how much we may have thought he could contribute. And for Jake, I will say this, I think that's one of the reasons why he's at CU and not Ohio State, is because Ohio State got a little turned off by that knee injury. Yeah, I think uh, that stuff happens a lot in college football, but... I think if you're CU, you tell Jake Moretti, take your time, man. Like, take your time as much as you need. Get back, get healthy, and let's go to work next year when, you know, we lose the left tackle. Flipping lines uh, to the defensive side now, you have no starters returning. The entire defensive line, you can make the case that Derek McCartney is returning at outside linebacker slash defensive end, uh, but he didn't even play six games last year what because of that Leo injury. Jackson? Not considered a starter? He wasn't by Adam. Six games started was, I think, his level of starting. But Leo Jackson played a lot of snaps last year and is in our top 20 buffs returning. Uh, so Leo Jackson is probably the highlight on our defensive line this year for the buffs, uh, BS and buffs highlight for the defensive line. You've got Jace Frankie, Javier Edwards there, I think are both going to make impacts. Chris Malumba. Is Javier Edwards, like, like, is he going to be in shape? What, what can we expect from the guy? I think Javier Edwards will have trouble getting on and off the field. To be I'm frank. cool with him. I mean, he can have trouble getting off the field, but but getting on the field, I think. No, they I'm need saying like get, running on and off the field. That's good. That's always like an amazing thing when it's third down and the biggest dude on the team has to sprint off the field. That's honestly. That's the greatest part about football. That's going to be my new brand is just uh, watching. I was going to say, like, we should do, like, a, like, a, a, like a mockumentary interviewing really big dudes about how much they hate running off the field on third down. <laughs> They're like, Coach, why can't I just – I just – I can stay in here to pass like pass rush too. Um, but uh, those are your guys in your defensive line. Uh, nose tackle, Javier Edwards, Jace Frankie, you're going to be battling it out there. Uh, on the rest of your defensive line – if I were to project the position right now, I'd say it's Leo Jackson, Tim Coleman, and Javier Edwards uh, there. And then an outside linebacker, Derek McCartney and NJ Follow. Taron Hasselback, I think, is going to play a lot. Michael Matthews, I like. Um, but Sh- Shamar Hamilton and Chris Malumbo, when they were brought in here, were thought of so highly. I don't necessarily think either is going to blow people away this year. Probably true. So uh, that's basically it for the defensive line there's just so many unknowns right now going into fall camp and that's why we have a fall camp but that's your little preview of the position aren't you excited to watch those battles no that's how all 
I'm going to be honest. I'm never not going to be honest. And I'm not. I'm excited to watch the receivers. You're not going to get to watch anything was my point. Oh, I'll be excited to listen to the battles. Love to hear a good battle. <laughs> I'm going to get, like, sonar technology into CU Buffs football practice and hear how hard the collisions are like a whale. You're like, oh, oh that was a good smash. Good smash. It must have been Javier. <laughs> Uh, inside linebacker, this is a huge position of question for Colorado. And potentially you could have a freshman starting here, and that's Jonathan Van Deist. Uh, you're going to have Rick Gamboa starting, but Drew Lewis is the other candidate. He's one of our top 20 returning buffs. But I think Jonathan Van Deist is awesome. Well, he's one of those guys that could play anywhere. And so, like, the buffs are going to have to make a decision. Obviously right now where they need him is at that position. Um, and it would be fun to watch him play there as a freshman because – he is a beast. Uh, I think it's actually Van D- Dan Van Deest. Van Deest. And so that's why you call him the Beast Van Deest. Ah. Uh, but he's one of those dudes that you'd, you'd love to see contribute in a big way for the football team this year because they need, uh, they need help on that defensive side. And you can't redshirt him because he went to prep school. So, yeah, he doesn't have a redshirt available. Wow. Um, so, But you have two other – True freshmen and Nate Landman and Carson Wells, who uh, I think are the future of this position for Colorado because Van Deese can play anywhere. But it's nice to see that they're already within the program. They're in the well, they're, per se. They're in the well. They're on Colorado's land, man. So that's that position. I think there are questions there for Colorado as well, and I think that's the, the story of the defense that – there are questions in places. But the place that doesn't have a question about it is Jackson's Hole, which opened up in March of 1977 and quickly became the place for watching sports. Almost 40 years later, and Jackson's Hole American Sports Girls keeping their reputation alive. There's 65 and 70 inch TVs everywhere. The food, well, it's still amazing. There's almost 30 beers on tap, including table taps that you can control at your own booth. Come down to Jackson's Hole American Sports Grill in Greenwood Village and Arapahoe, or Greenwood Village off Arapahoe and I 25. Almost had it. The original sports grill. The. Next position uh, with no starters on the defense is the corners. And at corner, you have Isaiah Oliver, who isn't listed as a returning starter, but clear, clearly he is fine for that position. And that's your leader maybe on the entire defense. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a true baller, uh, a straight-up dude out there that is going to contribute for your football team in a big, big way. You're counting on him to lock down the, the other team's best receiver. He's going to have a fantastic challenge ahead of him. He's also like a complete stud uh, in track and a great representative of the university. That is your guy. I mean, f- f- for all intents and purposes, that is the guy on defense to me. Yeah, he's the best player on the defense. I don't even think there's a question about it. Uh, around him, you have Andrew Bergner, Dante Wigley, Anthony Julemisi, Kevin George, Lucas Cooper, Ronnie Blackman, Trey Udofia, and Chris Miller, who's coming in. I think Chris Miller's going to be a good player, but I think they're going to use that red shirt this year because they can. I think with Isaiah Oliver, you're going to have Anthony Julemis. Uh, I'm very high on Dante Wigley, but he had a bad spring ball, so we'll see mm-hmm. how he recovers. And Kevin George is a, is a guy, I think, to look out for. Uh, and Trey Udofia. I think uh, Udofia has a chance to be the guy over there on the other side. Um, and Wigley is one of those guys who, you know, they're really hoping um, 
to maybe take a step forward in fall, in fall camp. But you're looking at those three, I would say, um, Oliver alongside Jewel Misi and Eudofia uh, to try and kind of hold it down for those NFL, those dudes who are now playing on Sundays. I think the biggest question to me at corner is not who steps up to play the cornerback position, but who, how well does the coaching do there? Because you lost a lot on the coaching side, and that's more important than the names. I think the talent <laughs> is still around, but I don't know what the coaching supplies to back the talent. And I think safety is that same position, but you do have a lot of returning talent there in Ryan Muller and Afolabe Laguda. And the question there is not who will play the position. The question is how bad slash good is Afolabe Laguda? We've covered this a little bit. I mean, according to his tweets, he's fantastic. He, there should be a movie made about him. <laughs> like, can we pause? Honestly, like, uh, uh, pause from the whole uh, let's talk about everything uh, in every position. Let's talk about Afolabe Laguda's last tweet and what it means. I think we should have a podcast, uh, like, like uh, a little like sound thing, like, what does this tweet mean? So Afolabe Laguda on Wednesday, July 19th at about 7 p.m. tweeted, Hate it or love it, the buffs are here. I'm telling you, this season is going to be a movie with a picture of himself. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what does it mean, Ryan Cunningsberg? Honestly, here's what I'll say. Last season was a movie. And the sequel is always worse. <laughs> That's getting in the intro. Uh, and so this season may be a movie, but like... It's Xenon the sequel. It, it, it goes from Grown Ups to Grown Ups 2. Everyone loved Grown Ups and Adam Sandler and Kevin James. Then Grown Ups 2, they decided they had too much Adam Sandler and Kevin James. This season is True Detective Season 2. Dude, True Detective was so good. Why did they have to ruin it? <laughs> Why make Season 2? Why even play sports after you win? <laughs> <laughs> they should just cancel the sports. Never have a sequel to The Rise. The Rise was one year. Should... And this might be a crazy question, but should CU fold the program? Yes. Go out on top. Literally ride off into the sunset. Last season was... They actually rise off into the sunset. <laughs> Sunrise. <laughs> oh, okay. Second round. What does this tweet mean? Duh, 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 duh. So, uh, July 18th, the list for wide receiver, I think it's the Bolitnikoff list yes. comes off... Uh, Shea's on the list, obviously. One CU wide receiver believed he should be on the list, but wasn't on it. But he was Belitnikoff the list. He was Belitnikoff the list. He has been perturbed by lists before. Who is this receiver? He is Bryce Bobo. And he tweeted on July 18th, I've been underrated since my early days of football. I'm a silent assassin, and I live by the code. With a space between code and explanation point for some reason. Hashtag money season. And it's a picture of him as a youth with the football and a picture of him playing football against Michigan. Uh, he was, like, severely underrated as a child on his football team. Well, he was wearing number 21, so he probably thought he was LaDainian Tomlinson knowing that he grew up in so Southern California. And he was also wearing a Chargers shirt. It's not a Chargers jersey. It's like a Chargers that's like the team, like That's the middle school team. He, yeah, but it's like the middle school. It's not like the right. San Diego Chargers. But like, do you think he was severely underrated by like who who was rating him back then? 
uh, BSN little buffs top 20. Anyways, I, I appreciate the hashtag money season. Like, it's better than money gang. All right, it's kind of a different thing, but, like, that's what the senior motto should be. Money season. Like, it's time to go make your money. This is what it's all about. I think it should be hashtag money shot. Like, they're tr- they're, they've got one shot, and they've got to get it on the money. Hashtag money shot. Will you ask him, like, what made him underrated when that picture was taken? Uh, yeah, I'll find out if he'll talk to me. <laughs> uh, but, like, I like how all the CU fans are going to his defense, like, that's messed up, been saying you underrated. This is, like, this is a football them. player's version of a thirst trap. Right. Like, he just tweets things that, like, I'm, I'm low-key underrated. Like, y'all know it. And everyone's like, yeah, we do know it. We've been saying that. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. He, what if, like... It's was, like it's like what if he was good enough on Twitter to make his 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 name the list hater? <laughs> the list hater. <laughs> he would earn so much respect. I I thought you were gonna say money season on his name, which would be good too. Oh yeah, but no, the list hater. The list hater. I'll 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 consult him with him. Uh, consult him with this. But Bryce Bobo, uh, this version of Bryce Bobo, this tweet is basically your girlfriend saying to you, "I'm not even that pretty," and you have to go, "You are pretty," and she's like, "I knew I was pretty." Yeah, that it's it's one of those things where like it's it's a thirst trap. What it is is a thirst trap. It's it's like, hey, I want to see who wants to give me attention, and then you get it. If you're a fan, like don't don't fall for the trap. Don't fall for the trap. I think that's the motto. 2017. Don't 2017. Fall for the don't fall for trap. Shoot your shot. Shoot your shot. And don't fall for the trap. Uh, t- shoot your shot was 2016, I believe. I'm, <laughs> so I'm living in the past still, even though I'm finally shooting my shot. Don't fall for the traps, ladies. The special teams positions of importance, uh, punter and kicker, you've got uh, at punter, you still have Alex Kinney. How big of a concern is Alex Kinney for you? I don't know. I, he's just, like, can he be good? Because he's just been there. And he's been bad in certain games. Is he a He's, problem? Has he lost CU Hawaii games? He lost in Hawaii two years ago. Michigan? Michigan and Hawaii, yeah. And then uh, didn't he lose one last season too besides Michigan where he had a really bad punt? Didn't he have another game where he had a pump block? I feel like USC had a pump block. I can't remember, but, I mean, the punter cannot be losing games. Like, I realize there's a lot of factors that go into a game, but you cannot let – the punter lose games if Alex Kenny can just make his name unknown that's fine I agree with that and I'll move on to the kicker real quick uh Chris Graham is still around he started most of the year at kicker you've got Davis Price who seemed to be the answer for a little bit until he wasn't and then he was and then he wasn't he was inconsistent is what I'm trying to say and then you've got the 30 year old uh, addition from Australia, James Stefanou. Yeah. Uh, and the only thing I've heard about him negatively is Stefano. Stefano. Stefano's in CU. Great run of success there. De Stefano. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I missed that one. Yeah. Uh, but the only issue I've heard with him is that he's really slow on his place kick times right now. That's not good. I also heard that um, he's living at the Broker Hotel. Uh, and the accommodations are not very good. I've heard bad things about the broker. <laughs> broker gets a... It's broke. 
<laughs> gets a broke rating for the BSM Buffs podcast. But he seemingly is the answer to the kicking problem, uh, hopefully, or else I swear to God they will lose one game because of the kicker in 2017. I think we've told the story on the podcast before, but Jake, of course, had the take all last season that the Buffs will lose a game because of the kicker. And <laughs> the Stanford game where things just went completely awry from a special team standpoint. Every single time they messed up, he just looked at me like, I'm going to be right. I'm going to be right. And, like, just based on the fact that Jake was needed to be wrong, like, I've never wanted the Buffs to find a way to win so badly. And I said it on that week's preview, too. I'm like, I think, Allie, this is the week the Buffs lose a game because of their kicker. And I was, and I was right. They lost that game because of their kicker. <laughs> but Stanford, Stanford lost that game worse they because of their quarterback. <laughs> that game was not won. That game was lost. It's like you've seen the sign, like, we sports harder. But, like, for Stanford, it was like, we lost harder. <laughs> we lost harder. That's totally what it was. Uh, well, that's going to wrap up the football portion of this show. We've also We're got a – still talking. <laughs> we still got a little bit of basketball to discuss. Uh, Ryan, non-conference basketball schedule finalized. You got a quick overview of it from uh, Tad Boyle's squad. He always puts together a really solid non-conference schedule. Some big names in – New Mexico coming in. They're going out to Xavier to finish that one and one. You've got Iowa on a neutral court. Uh, they were a really good team last year. We're number one in the NIT, a number one seeded. So they just missed the tournament. So that's a legit team. And then you've got uh, some interesting front range matchups. Of course, Colorado State. But you also got UNC. You have DU for the first time in 10 years. Rodney Billups down the year. That'll be a lot of fun. And then you also have, I believe, Air Force. And uh, you have one more, I think, too. One, one other front range team they said five front range teams and four at home anyhow northern Ryan, colorado du did you mention northern DU? colorado du uh colorado CSU State, air force air force okay well four anyway what are you looking forward to on this schedule uh as it lies now uh i'm looking forward to the big game against paradise jam paradise yeah <laughs> it totally sounds like an aau basketball team i there is an AAU tournament called Paradise Jam. I've in Hawaii. Well, that's I mean, okay. Well, this one's in the Virgin Islands, but that's what, obviously what I'm looking forward to. Um, they get to go to the Virgin Islands and and play basketball, and they're playing against good teams. Them dudes get to go to Italy and the Virgin Islands to play basketball this year. Like, cry me a river, student athletes. Right, like the whole <laughs> student athletes. Like y'all don't know how hard it is. Y'all got a free trip to Italy and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Not the other Virgin Islands, the U.S. Virgin Islands. It is. It's not the British Virgin Islands. It's not the British Virgin Islands. So, uh, unfortunately for them, if they're trying to check some things off their list, I don't think it counts. Okay. Well, anyways, I mean, this is a good, this is a good slate once again. Um, I think it's kind of like a Tad Boyle tour. You've got his old team in northern Colorado. Uh, you've got his old assistant coach in uh, Rodney Billups coaching the DU Pioneers. You've got uh, playing his little brother at Colorado State. You know, it's a, tad, it's a big Tad Boyle tour. <laughs> it's the Tad Boyle family tour. Oh, my God, little brother. Uh, do they keep the streak of law alive at Colorado State of swapping home games? Because Colorado's lost the last two straight home games against Colorado State, but Colorado State's also lost the last two home games against Colorado. Yeah, it's going to be three home games in a, in a row lost uh, up in the undefended fort. The undefended fort. The only, the only fort there that's any good is Fort Fun. You've been to Fort Fun? No, but 
Is that a bar? No, it's like, it's like a better gateway. Like honestly, they did gateway better. Like that's the only thing they have better than Boulder is they have. Do they do it? Do they do better than Adventure Golf? It's like a combination between Boondocks and Gateway, but it's, the miniature golf is no good. And I know everything about every miniature golf course. Do you think Boondocks purposely put themselves in like a weird location because it's like, oh, they're out in the Boondocks? <laughs> it's really not that far from my house, but like it just feels far. I pass it when I sometimes drive from from school to D- Denver, and uh, I pass it every time. I'm like, oh, hey, that's Boondocks. It's really not that far. From <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was. But then it's like really weird, awkward posi- position. It's like, like especially like everything in that like. Church Ranch in uh, everything. Or, everything in that 104 no, or 120. That's, not over there. that's where Adventure Golf is, isn't it? No, no. I'm talking about like 120 to 104 in I-25 area, like where it's you can't really take 36 to get there, but you can't really take. Like, yeah, that area. Like anything north of 36 on 25, like hardly exists to me. Right. They need, and I've been saying this for years. They need to like make diagonal an actual highway, so like. You basically have 36 just extend up foothills and then diagonal and then go back to 25. Like, not that I want to go to Fort Collins, but it would be nice if there was an easier way to get to Fort Collins. Especially because we have to go there this year. Yeah. Last, uh, well, you have a great Fort Collins getting to Fort Collins story. You almost died. I've almost died a lot. You've almost died a lot. <laughs> I gotta stop cheating to death. <laughs> It's the only thing you've cheated that on. That was the first and last. No, not one of the. Not the last. Every time something bad has happened to me in a car, basically Apple Maps was involved. <laughs> take take me through that scene real quick. I'm um, going up to Fort Collins in a just an absolute blizzard. Was this the Spencer Dinwiddie the mayor game? Wasn't every wasn't every Spencer Dinwiddie against CSU game <laughs> the Spencer Dinwiddie the mayor game? They were all the um, games. I can't remember what game it was, but I swear to you, on my life, the Apple Maps took me like into a field, just like into a cornfield, and I was just driving through this thing, and I was like, "Man, I know Fort Collins like sucks, but there's got to be a better way to get there than this." <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I reached a dead end. I kid you not, there is nothing around me but corn. For miles. And I'm just like, what the hell? Like, that's where you, am I? That's how you know CSU's replaced Nebraska as a rival one. They just imported the corn. Get this, though. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm freaking out. I call Will Whalen, who's there, just waiting for me. And I'm like, dude, I'm lost. I need help. Phone dies. So now my phone is dead. I have no clue where I'm going. The game is tipping off in, like, 20 minutes. I'm whipping through cornfields in the middle of a snowstorm, and I finally make it back. Like I, I'm able to trace my steps back with no visibility because there's only one road in and out of this thing. I finally get out to the road. I go to the gas station. And I'm just like, can you help me get to the stadium? They give me the directions. I'm able to get there. Will's like freaking out because he can't contact me now. I, like the last thing he heard, I was in the middle of a cornfield in the snow, uh, and I made it like just after tip off but i was so stressed out it was ridiculous my uh csu memory a lot less traumatic but still traumatic as a small person is uh the last basketball <laughs> game i know this one <laughs> the last basketball game y'all know i announced the games but i didn't announce this one uh because 
I, I don't know. I, I wasn't there. Yeah, you weren't there, so I had to cover it, and this was before I knew how to multitask, honestly. <laughs> um, and be, the student or the uh, student section at C, uh, CSU is obviously on the ends, but the media, the auxiliary media, is right next to it. And I had, like, the last row next to the student section. So, like, half my view of the court's cut off. But the worst part about this is, like I said, it's right next to the student section. So you're actually in the stands, and there's just a table over the seats in front of you. The issue when you're five foot four or five foot three, as listed on bsnbuffs.com for journalistic purposes uh, and humor, that when I sit down in one of those seats with the table, it comes up to my neck. So you might be thinking, all right, whatever, you can still type. I can't see the game and see my computer at the same time. Like, I was trying to tweet the game, but between the student section to my left, uh, the computer in front of me, and perhaps one of the most annoying media members to my right, I could not. There's, there's like a wall. Shapiro had nothing. Like, if you look at the coverage of that game, bsandbuff.com, not good. Not good. Shapiro had zero visibility. Let's talk gonna, about zero visibility in Fort Collins. You're going to need to uh, cut this this part of the podcast and send it over to Troy Andre so like, he has some sympathy for you and gets you one of those few seats down on the court. <laughs> I should send this to Troy and just be like, Troy, please, please give me a seat on the court. I can't see the game when I'm sitting up there. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to see that email exchange. So uh, the players are like aware of my height, obviously, and we make fun of it by playing basketball against them. But uh, I, when I had Jeff Hoffman on the Rockies podcast this week, uh, we were talking about uh, Jeff and how he was drafted. And I said to Jeff, I set up a question as if I were getting drafted. And I said, but of course that would never happen because I'm five foot four. And Jeff just goes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, God damn it. Like, I'm You're just, like basically like Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman's two inches taller than me. <laughs> Jose Altuve is too, but... I don't know. It's crazy to me that someone that's two inches taller than you can just, like, be an amazing baseball player. Like, maybe the best base. Jose Altuve's third in the major leagues in war right now. Yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, you got anything? TBT? Oh, TBT. Won two games. They're out in Brooklyn next week. We would have coverage if Will wasn't going on vacation to... D.C., I think? Yeah, but love you, Will. Uh, he's doing his thing. Uh, the TBT boys are doing their things. They, they didn't look great. In the first game, they were playing a terrible opponent. I interviewed Dwight Thorne after the game, and Dwight's like, honestly, you play down to your opponent sometimes, and that's what we did. Remember when, like, I heard, I didn't watch the game, but I heard the ESPN three announcers were just, like, roasting the Buffs as they were up 20. They were roasting the Buffs. The Buffs are up 18 in the first half, and they're just like, the Buffs look terrible. And, like, the Buffs don't even need to, like, run up and down the court to win this game. In the second game, Chris Copeland just, like, did Chris Copeland things. Yeah. And, like, he just looked like an NBA player playing against a bunch, some boys. Yeah, he couldn't and miss. He didn't make a three in the first game. And then he goes, I think, five for nine or no, five I, for seven. I, he hit at least six. Or six for nine, something like that. Nice. In, the, in, the, in that game, it, it was, he was put on a show, and he rebounded. He's not the greatest rebounder in the world, but in a tournament in that like tournament, this, he might be. <laughs> you know, he has all the size. And this is when the Buffs didn't even have Richard Roby, Xavier Silas, Josh Scott. Expected to get some of these guys back, if not – all of them for the next round and then all of a sudden you're like Shannon Sharp might not even play you know like some of these guys started in the first right like some of your starters are barely gonna play uh from these last two games and they 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 didn't squeak by but they got by by a lot so TBT team's in really good shape heading into Brooklyn it's gonna be exciting like 
I'm all in. Yeah, like I'm. I want to watch all of it. I, didn't, I unfortunately didn't get to watch either of the first two games, um, but I, I knew they were going to win both of them. So I was like, oh, I'm not that devastated because they're going to move on. Um, they're they're going to make noise in this thing. They could win it. So uh, pay attention because it's going to be fun. Yeah, I think that wraps up the BSM Bus podcast, except for Ryan's one more thing. One more thing. I was driving cross-country, and I went to Sterling, Colorado, home of Xavier Talton, who's a part of the TBT team, but I saw he was wearing a polo. So, so this is what happened to XT, and I guess I can report this because he told this to me, and it's not like that huge. But uh, XT, unfortunately, tore his Achilles uh. Uh, while he was just starting to train for the team in about March or April. And he's moved actually down to Arizona to help rehab. And he's – it sucks, man, because XT was – this was his shot to really catch on with an overseas team, and he's got to delay that a year. I feel really bad because XT's a great dude, and you know that too. Yeah, really um, good dude. So – but he tore his Achilles, and he's going to have to try and come back. I know CU's helping him with that. He's used their facilities a little bit here and awesome. there to, to help out. And when you read my story about the TBT thing, or if you've already read it, you understand – how connected this program is. Bo, Bo was telling me, he's like, I kind of feel jaded almost that they still don't give me the lock, the code to get into the building. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you don't play for the T-School. You should probably have the code. It's true. That's the hashtag, get Bo the code. Get Bo the code. I'm in. Uh, that wraps up the BSN Buff podcast for this week. We'll have more stuff for you next week. Check out all of our content on bsndenver.com. Daily stuff. I got a big column coming on the football team that'll be dropping tomorrow because this podcast is dropping on Thursday. That'll be dropping on Friday. We've got some cool stuff about the breakout candidates for uh, this season, that preview in fall camp. We've got video content coming your way, so stay tuned to all of it. He's Ryan Konigsberg. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Konigsberg. If you're a Broncos fan, he is your go-to guy. I am Jake Shapiro at Shapalicious. Rockies and Buffs, I am your man. Thanks for uh, tuning in, and we will talk to you very, 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 very soon. Sands may be one of them, but these are guys that you're going to count on, and that you're not, 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 you're not,